welcome to Women Weekend, a podcast that helps you heal spiritually from trauma in past relationships, childhood conditioning, and to shift from a place of codependency to a state of divine feminine love, acceptance, harmony, and abundance. On Women Waken, we begin the journey to waken from the illusion of needing to prove our worth into the divine experience of knowing our worth. I'm your host, Whitney Walker. I am a licensed mental health therapist, and I specialize in substance abuse, addiction, eating disorders, trauma, and spirituality. On this guest episode, I'm the wonderful Holly McLean. Holly is a counselor and certified life coach who specializing in working with adolescents and families. So on this episode, Holly gives us an insightful look at the youth of today, which helps brings us to the space of exploring what do we want for generations of the future? How do we want the youth's experience in years to come to be different from ours so that there's not these feelings of a lack of self-worth, self-love, safety in expressing our feelings. Holly sheds insights on the current youth, what their superpowers and gifts are, and how we can benefit from cultivating them ourselves. What are the needs of teenagers in society today? How we can learn from teens and the cocooning process that occurs in adolescence to move through our own changes and life transition. So take a listen and enjoy. Hi, Holly. Welcome to the Woman Weekend podcast. Hello, Whitney. Thank you for having me today. Yeah. So, Holly, we connected a while back and we kind of hit it off. You're a life coach and a counselor, and you work predominantly with adolescents and their families. And so, we are kind of exploring together how working with children and teens often allows us to tap into our own inner adolescence, our own inner child, and start doing that work, having that focus, allowing it to come to light, the things that sort of still might elicit responses as if we're still our teenage selves and things we're needing to heal from. So to kick it off, I'd love to hear what brought you the journey that led you to your work, um, how you ended up working with teens and being a coach. Yes, of course. Oh my gosh. The journey, the journey actually started 20 years ago. Um, after college, I had gone to law school for a year, which felt very uncomfortable to me. I was not in the right place. So after that year came to a close, kind of a tumultuous little halt, I was in this space where I needed to really figure out what was next for me. And so way back when it was actually the dot-com era, the close of the dot-com era. So I did a little bit of work in high tech. And then I also did um, some work for a couple other companies. And I never quite felt that place that was mine to do the work that I felt that I was meant to do. I was really looking outside of myself to try to sort that out and figure out, do I identify with this company? Should I do this or that? Um, and I got to this space where I had this, this deep whisper and it was very quiet because oftentimes it's funny when we are tugged in a direction, it's never really this really loud, hey, you over here. It's always like this little tiny whisper and we go, 
is that something that I should be listening to? Or what is that? Where's that coming from? So there was this little whisper. A friend of mine had shared that she was going back to school to get her teaching credential and work with young children and teach them. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, like deeply, I would love to spend time with children and help them and work with them. And at that point, I had not thought about what I would do with them, what I would teach them or what my plan was. And so that's what led me down this journey of exploring credential programs and then also exploring and going to different schools that I had attended when I was younger to talk with principals, kind of inquire about what that world would look like. So I ended up getting my first teaching job 20, I think it was about 21 years ago, and um, I had majored in English in college, so I got an English teaching job at a middle school before I even had my credentialing. So I went back to school at night and, and got the credentialing and ended up really enjoying my work with the kids. And I, it just sort of connected with me and I kind of fell into it. And I followed this little scavenger hunt that led me to this school that was hiring um, in the area where I used to live in Fremont in the Bay Area. And so once I had worked there for a while, my year had come to a close. And in that district, oftentimes you get shuffled around um, based upon tenure, et cetera. And I was brand new and not even fully credentialed. So I got bumped over to the Continuation High School, which is an alternative ed setting for kids that were either at risk or struggling in the regular comprehensive school or had gotten kicked out of school. And this was sort of their last resort. Um, at a public education. So um, I wasn't sure how that was gonna go. Once I got involved, I just fell in love with the work. So much so that I was inspired to go back to school at night after getting my teaching credential about six years into teaching to get my counseling credential and my master's in counseling. So that's when the door started to open and I started that program and I just, began to feel like I was in the room with my people. And these were others that were training to become counselors. And I thought, okay, like I'm following the little pings of the universe, the little whispers as they come. And so that started my journey in working with teens and young adults in a counseling realm. So it started there. And then there was a little diversion where the coaching piece comes into play. And I had um, back in 2017, so after I had spent some time in education, I decided that I wanted to add that layer of life coaching because I had a life coach myself who had supported me and I had no idea that life coaching existed. I didn't know what it was. And my brain initially thought it was something for executives. It was going to be very goal oriented, push, push, push. And there are so many different flavors of coaching and this one was very nurturing, very comforting. It actually taught me a lot about myself, how to get grounded, build confidence, relax into and ease into who I am as a person. And it's actually termed wayfinder coaching. So it helps you really find your way within yourself and also in the world. So I thought this program, A, it's perfect for me. B, this is the kind of thing that I really want to support and bring into the world. And if I brought this to the kids at the schools, this would be amazing. So that really kicked in that pathway that opened up this combination of counseling and life coaching and supporting 
teens and young adults doing that work. Fantastic. That's great. And then Holly, working with teens, adolescents for so long, what have you found about this generation? You speak to their superpowers and gifts that it sounds like we could learn a bit from, and that sounds hopeful. You speak to seeing that this era of teens has is more connected with intuition, with their guidance and self-acceptance. Can you explain that, how you're seeing it and what, what exactly you're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. It's fascinating when you spend enough time with a certain population, you start to see the trends over the years. So I figured, okay, I've got two decades here. So what have I seen and what am I noticing? Because oftentimes we would talk on the school campus about, um, you know, things have changed so much. The kids are so different in this way and that way. And from a coaching perspective and a counseling perspective, more kids are open to mental health support and counseling and guidance. So back in the day, we were pulling kids in who had a problem, a struggle, a behavior issue. And so if you were going into the counselor's office, something was definitely wrong and parents didn't want to get a call from the counselor. I think as the kids have evolved to this newest generation, and I was actually just back in the school system uh, about seven months ago, working on a project with a middle school up where I am in the Sacramento area, I noticed that kids are coming in and they've got languaging around some of the things that they think they might be dealing with. They're definitely obviously gathering more information because they have more information accessible to them now than they ever did around mental health, things that are being posted. Oftentimes there's a lot of trending on social media and TikTok. And so they're hearing other emotional support professionals talking about different things and coaches talking about different things. So they're curious and they're coming in with questions and that stigma that was there years ago, especially when I grew up, that layer or that veil seems to be lifted since there's so much talk around it. So they're coming in and they're curious and they're coming in with almost like their whole selves. And I don't know if that's because this particular world of wellness and mental health is so commonplace now, but they're coming in without these elements of shame that we often would associate with something's not feeling right or I'm confused, et cetera. They're kind of laying it all out and they're asking good questions. They're curious. They're tuned into their feelings more so than I've ever seen children and teens tuned into their feelings. And I think this generation might not have that piece wound out of them so much. And I think that it's a double-edged sword because they're very tuned into their feelings. They're allowing themselves to feel all the feels and all of the things, but then it's overwhelming and what do I do about it? So thank goodness they're, you know, reaching out and gathering information. Now as support people, whether we're educators or mental health support professionals, it's important that we help them normalize those feelings and analyze what's going on inside of them because sometimes they'll come in and they'll say, oh my gosh, I'm feeling anxious. Well, that's a normal part of existing in our society and it's okay to feel anxious, but let's take a look at how much anxiousness are you feeling and how is that affecting your life? So 
they're coming in with great questions, they're coming in with language, but they still need that support of how to interpret things. So they're definitely more open, which I think is something that we can really learn from them. I mean, I'm in the perfect seat to have the luxury of learning from our youth. And I think I continue to do this work because part of that does inspire me and essentially keeps me young and fresh with the ways that our, our humans are evolving and growing on this planet that we live on. But um, having them come in so open is really a gift to adults, whether it's with your children or those working with young people, because it's almost like it gives us permission to go there as well emotionally and feel those feelings. I have um, an adorable story of a seventh grader that had popped in to see me who was in distress. Um, this was around the holiday season and we were talking about some coping strategies and ways that she might be able to support herself because the schools today are full of energy and lots of additional feelings and energies that are still hanging over from COVID and being the kids being cooped up, et cetera. And so I asked her, how are you coping and what are you working through and what are some of your tools that you have so far? We'll go from there. And she emptied out her pockets full of crystals and gems and all the things. And my heart just melted. Um, and so she explained to me all of the the superpowers that were in these gems and how she held on to them and they helped support her through her day, et cetera. And that was not uncommon. There were a lot of kids that came in and had similar ways of supporting themselves, which tells me that they're taking from the plethora of opportunities that we have out there to support themselves and they're gravitating toward what feels right for them inside. Yeah. Wow. I love to hear that. That's amazing that they're utilizing their, you know, connection to me, that speaks to an awareness of energy, uh, an awareness of the elements and awareness that, you know, there is means and ways to regulate our bodies and to feel more at peace with our bodies. And that can come through crystals. It can come through breathing. It can come through walks in the, the woods, but it's awesome to hear that teens are getting more attuned to that. And Holly, you speak to, you know, you are, you feel aligned with your work because it's a part of building our future, right? So when you work with these teens, what are you seeing? What do these teens need from society at this time as, as a whole, you know, cause I, I think a lot about most of the reason why I do the work that I do is I feel this very strong vision of the way that life can be versus how it is now. That's much more balanced and harmonious and where people don't hate themselves by default, but love and accept and value themselves. We have a epidemic of low self-esteem and self-destruction on our planet. Doesn't make any sense. That's the most unnatural state to be in. So I believe in and want to help create a future where there is more of a natural state where people are more in love with themselves, kind to others. So what do you think that teens are needing right now that they're not getting or that we could start shifting into in the future? Yes, um, 
And I will say on a positive note, I see the trend going in the direction of self-love. The kids love the buzzword of self-love. And we talk about what a loving kindness practice looks like and how they can nurture and love themselves. So they are on board in general, what I'm seeing from the kids, but they're also um, spewing out a lot of pain and discomfort. So when I ask them what they need, which is a question I ask often, what I get typically is just pay attention. And this question comes in the form of, you know, what do you need from the adults in your life? Whether it be parents or support people or teachers, et cetera, that are interfacing with them, just pay attention. And I think there's this deep need for them to be recognized and heard on a basic level, just listened to versus being talked at. And I think that typically happens with children and youth in our society is we are pushing them and telling them what they need to do and giving them to-do lists of things they need to accomplish to get to the next level of whatever their path is that they've you know, decided they want laid out for themselves, whether it's within the education system, et cetera. And they just want to be seen and they want to be listened to. And I find in my practice, that is the most important component is when there is listening going on and they feel like they are being heard and seen for who they are. Um, and then that's how relationships are developed. So especially with the kids and at, at home and family situations, everybody is buzzing and busy and going from one point to the other. And I think it does get overwhelming for the teens and young adults, kids, because they are in this space of, you know, hey, it's me, I'm over here. And there are things that I need and things that I want to express, which, which actually spins off to this idea as well of, you know, how do we listen to our youth? when they come to us with a concern or simply a story, are we problem solving right away? Are we directing them and pointing them in a direction or telling them what to do or shutting them down? Or are we purely and genuinely listening and letting them get those messages and stories out and conveyed to us? That's always really been the problem for children. You know, children are meant to be heard and to be acknowledged and to be given space and support to express themselves and be celebrated. And I think that, you know, in our culture, in our world, we are all in such a big hurry and we're all very stressed out a lot of the time. And adults are often not really adults in terms of their emotional maturity because they were not listened to as children. So they live their whole life trying to be good enough and be heard. So it's this vicious cycle we have going on. And so again, that's back into the question of what breaks that cycle? How do we slow it down so that next generation doesn't feel this deficit of, because the, the way you're treated as a child up and through your teens is the foundation for how you feel about yourself, what your beliefs about the world. So when you believe that, well, maybe there's something wrong with me because nobody really listens when I talk or nobody really takes the time to hear me, or when I speak what I need to say, 
no one seems to take it to heart or to consider it, then they feel unheard and their needs go unmet. And by nature, children are meant to have their needs taken care of. And those needs are not just physical, they're also emotional. And there's a lot of emotional neglect that has gone on, you know, since this dawn of time for humans. Because again, we haven't really learned how to fall in love with ourselves and love ourselves enough that when we have kids, we're fully available. I think that's a big thing is a lot. And this is not knocking parents in any way. It's, it's, I, I don't have kids. And that's part of the reason is I don't know that I could, could be available completely. And I don't want to shy away from it because I think that no one's ever hundred percent ready. Right. So I'm open to doing it. I support all parents. I think that they're heroes, but I'm, again, I'm just curious about what will our, what could our future look like? How could we have a different experience for children, for teens, for us? Right. I, I'm still reeling from my childhood. We all are. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah. So I, I love that you, you know, that you bring that up, that they're, they're wanting to be heard and that's great. That they're more in touch with their emotions and it is showing good progress that they're able to show up to the counselor's office and not feel like, oh, there must be something wrong with me, but more like, Hey, it's my turn now. I'd like to come in and just talk. Can I talk? Can I be heard? That's fantastic. That's the message we want is it's the same as exercising or showering. You want to share your emotions and thoughts with somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I think the tide is turning and I've seen it, you know, in the last 20 years, I've had kids, you know, handholding each other and bringing their friend in to meet the counselor and making connections, which is a beautiful thing. Um, we've also seen a lot of groups come up in schools as well, whether it be Bay Area schools or, or up north in terms of the experience that I've had, um, where young people can come together and collaborate and talk about what's going on and get guidance and have support around that too. So I believe that making shifts in the schools, which is where a vast majority of our kids are going, whether it's you know public school, private school, et cetera, making those shifts, investing monies in their emotional and social well-being is really, really important. And a big piece of why I do the work that I do is I think it's also greatly important to catch them at a very young age and allow them to have really positive experiences with sharing their feelings, being vulnerable, tapping into support systems so that as they navigate all the different life transitions that they will go through from birth to death, they will be able to seek out support as needed. And we won't ever go backward to the point where, you know, there was a stigma attached and there was a lot of shame around that. And I know that, you know, different industries have, you know, different, um, I guess, beliefs and, and stigma attached to mental health support, depending on, you know, different professions that you're in, et cetera. However, I think starting when they're young um, and guiding them specifically to have that opportunity to look inward, which is, you know, what we all need um, support around is learning how to go inward. That is the key that unlocks so much. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but when I was in school, we were not talking about how to tap into your internal guidance and your intuition and extrapolating your superpowers and using your unique medicine to guide you and, and heal yourself and support others and having that type of an 
avenue to approach your life and what you're building and growing towards. Um, a lot of that type of work was through career development, which is where my, when I had gotten my master's, that was my focus. I was focused on career development, which I kind of saw as a key until I was opened up to all these other wonderful ways of being and supporting ourselves. Um, but yeah, it is, it is definitely an area where, you know, our society in particular needs some work and support so that we can continue to work with our generations as they come to us with this deeper tuned in sense of self and we can guide them and help them develop that. Well, maybe they'll be the way showers. Maybe as they get older, those can become common everyday practices and they will, it's, it's eventual. I mean, intuition is our greatest superpower. It's our greatest guidance. And for some reason, we've decided not to honor it very freely, very openly, not to value it very highly. I don't know why. I think the main reason is because it takes away people's power who have learned to send out the message that don't trust yourself. Don't listen to yourself. Listen to what other people tell you. Listen to what this commercial tells you or what this ad tells you there's a vested interest in keeping us from learning to trust ourselves. Cause when we do, we're going to move away from having to adhere to all the things that we think we need and have to be. Again, this is not like a criticism. I live that way. And that's why I do this work is because I'm, I don't like it. It's like being imprisoned, right? I don't feel free to trust my own judgment at times, to trust my own feelings, to trust my own preferences. Cause I worry, I say, well, is it going to be acceptable? Is it going to make people approve of me? I'm caught up in that. So again, I feel like that's why I love working with kids is I'm like, I hope you guys can escape what we've had to experience. I hope that your kids cannot, you know, get one step further and that eventually it isn't even the case that eventually when you're born into this world, one of the first things you're taught, what could be eventually taught in schools is your inner guidance system, your intuition. What do your feelings mean? What are they telling you? How do you sit with your feelings? Why are those not things that we teach in school? Why are we taught math and science rather than self-respect and self-love? It's a very strange thing that we've decided on that, that, oh, no, no, these are the important things, not how to respect and take care of yourself. Absolutely. And it's, and it makes me curious. I'm not a historian, but it makes me curious to wonder if way, way back we were taught those things, you know, as oh, I yeah. ancient cultures and ancient civilizations absolutely focused on that more. And some still do, you know, in different parts of the world, those that are more connected with nature and with, you know, mother earth and have more, you know, sort of shamanic or spiritual practices know that value, but it's not the dominant thing. Right. Right. There's still so much programming and you had alluded to, you know, working with kids and working with youth, they're not quite as programmed as those of us who have been here for a while. So we're not unwinding as much as we might have to do within ourselves as grownups. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful thing to be able to see them with less layers of programming and shoulds. They should do this. They should do that. Mm -hmm. I will say, unfortunately, over time, I have seen more children, especially at the high school level, come in with that heavy coat of shoulds, yeah. um, you know, versus 10 years ago where they were almost a little more free to 
to decide, you know, what do I feel that I want to do next? What's, what's my next step? Cause that's oftentimes yes. where it shows up where you'll find kids feeling that stress and overwhelm and those shoulds conflicting with what their true self is wanting to express or do or be. And then that's when we start to address it. Yes, absolutely. And that, that is the component that seems to be getting growing greater, right? The, the pressure because competition is increasing in terms of our kids trying to get into college, kids trying to get a good job. That's all getting worse for a lack of a better word. That's getting more pressure. Rates of suicide are rising, not falling for teens. Teens who sh ideally would be exploring and enjoying life as a young individual feel the weight and pressure of the world on your shoulders. That's the pressure you described is they think, well, you know, I'm not, I'm only in two AP classes, not six. So I might as well just like, forget it. You know, I'm only going to get into this school and not that school. So what is the point? And then back to the intuition, as we were speaking to what can be taught earlier is that we have these very specific tracks of life that most children innately would never be interested in, but they're forced onto these tracks that have nothing to do with their soul, or maybe their soul's yearning or calling, and they're denied it. And it's a travesty, an absolute travesty. So again, that's why it excites me so much when we see little signs that the tides can turn, because we will one day live in a completely different world. I really believe that our society as it is will become a parable of how horrible it can be on earth. Because the way we live now is, it's such an injustice and such a disservice to human beings. It's yes. denying people their power. It's taking away our innate right, which is we are creators. We are magical beings <laughs> and yes. kids. And that's, you know, you, you just said, Holly, that when kids are younger, it's a little bit easy to unravel because there's not all these layers, but it can happen so fast that a, a happy, go lucky, excited teen can become this forlorn, despondent, checked out individual who thinks, whatever, you know, I don't belong here. There's no place for me. Nobody cares about me. I'm not going to be good enough. And it's absolutely devastating. So when we can go to a place where kids feel the excitement of life, uh, the excitement of potential, what can I be? What can I do? Everything changes. We illness is gone. Depression is gone. Anxiety is gone. Right now they're all rampant because people are not allowed to be who they are. Right. And things get so locked up inside. Yeah. Uh, just on a basic level, talking with kids, whether it be your children or children that you interface with and work with, supporting them in learning how to move those feelings, which are, you know, energy stirring about in the body. Um, so many times kids will say, you know, I'm so sorry when they start to tear up and cry, we want to cleanse and release some of those feelings and emotions yeah. and normalizing crying and emoting is really important for them as well versus hold that in, tamper that down. Um, but yes, back to allowing them to express themselves which is really important that we give them the opportunities to do that in our society, in our education systems, because when they can't, then they just have to grab a box and pick what box they want to live in. Um, and that in itself is, is destructive to their souls. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And it makes 
makes me so sad because I work with a lot of teens as a therapist. And it's just, it's just heartbreaking to see that the joy that is, again, is their birthright is innate to them is um, so stifled and that most teens experience so much more depression and hopelessness rather than hopefulness and excitement. And, and not, it's not across the board. I mean, there's wonderful educators, teachers, people out there that are helping to inspire children, but the system itself is not conducive to freedom, full expression, unique expression, tapping into your soul, tapping into your intuition, trusting the unseen, right? The, the, the thoughts you have, the notions, right? You spoke of when you, when you went to teaching that you felt like you had this intuition, right? You felt like this calling towards it, you were saying, right? Yes. Yeah. And if we, if you hadn't done that, you wouldn't have ended up where you're meant to be. So when we deny that we are not really aligned with what we came here to do. Exactly. And in our society, it can be so frustrating because, you know, there's so much value that's put on our brains and our logical thinking in the world that we live in and, and our bodies, which are part of this whole process, as you know, our bodies and our emotions and, and our brains all working together. When we put all this focus on our brains and we really just utilize our bodies to get us from meeting to meeting, to meeting, to utilize our brains or classroom to classroom, to classroom, we're missing out on that intuitive feeling that that gut feeling oftentimes is it's referred to with the intuition and the intuition, those little whispers are what really lie lead you down your true path. And so working with teens and youth and expressing that to them because they're in environments and educational environments where there's so much heavy focus on their brains back when I decided to go into education what my brain was thinking up made more logical sense for me to just stay where I was at, continue to climb a corporate ladder, et cetera. But it was that tuning into the intuition and that little whisper that really didn't make a lot of logical sense. I just want to be around kids. I feel like my heart feels like it it would be supportive in that area. I mean, that was about as developed as my little whisper was, had I not followed those breadcrumbs and those little whispers, never would have gotten into this type of work and really unearthed, you know, what is underneath the surface of this society that I'm living in and, and how to thrive and feel good in my own skin. I mean, it's all interconnected. I know we've talked about confidence before too. When you're able to really tune in and be yourself and feel yourself, that's when the confidence starts to build. Not when we look outside of ourselves and look at, um, you know, marketing and advertising from big business that tells us, you know, whether it's we're aging or we're not enough or we're not smart enough or we're not driven enough. Um, And those powers that be are directing our attention and focus and just keeping us spinning in circles. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's important to not emphasize attachment to that too much focus on that, on those messaging that are just leading us astray really. And I, I love that you point out Holly about, cause I, I've spoken to this on some of my episodes where you know that it's your, because people are like, well, what's my intuition? Because here's the problem is that our head is very different than our intuition, our thoughts, that, that nagging voice in our head. That's like the inner critic, the inner, uh, you know, commentator. Cause I, what I found is that that voice is very abrupt and can be harsh. 
when I have a thought, I'm like, well, is, you know, is this going to work out? And it's like, no, it's not going to work out. And I'm like, well, is that a sign? But every time to your point that I've had actual intuitive guidance, it feels like this soft breeze past my ear. It's never pushy. It's never, but it's very clear. It's like, there's no deny. It's so different than anything else. And it only happens to me every once in a while, but I always know it when I hear it, it's just, and it's just very succinct and, but it's so gentle versus, so that's anyone who's listening, who needs to hear that. If you are wondering, how do I tap into my intuitive voice and guidance? It's a gentle offering rather than any kind of command. Some people might argue that that's just been my experience. And it sounds like yours as well. Absolutely. And oftentimes I'll explain it too, um, as something that, that feels right to you or good to you feels more expansive, like a big breath of air versus the opposite. When something doesn't feel right, or isn't the right direction for you can feel very closed in, in my coaching program, they actually termed it feeling very shackles on. Mm-hmm. Or like you're wearing a straight jacket and you're just kind of, yeah. With yeah. So expansion, like a full breath feels yeah. like you are heading in the right direction versus the other. Yeah. Well, I talk about that a lot too, is that lo- another word for life or love is freedom. They're all synonymous words. They're all the same thing. So when, when we're feeling love is because we're feeling that unshackling, we're feeling that when we feel joy, that's another word, life, joy love, freedom, all the same thing. You could also throw in God if you want. They're all the same thing in different words and different expressions. It, when we are shackled and we're constricted, we're not free. And therefore we're not in a state of love. We're in a state of resistance. You can't have resistance and love at the same time. You can't have constraint and freedom at the same time. So when, when we teach our children to be very closed off and they are denying themselves that freedom, that feeling of expansiveness, And so you're right. People need to look out for what makes you feel expansive. What makes you feel free? What makes you feel open to opportunities rather than shut down and sort of resigned to, well, I guess this is just what I have to do. I guess this is just what life is like. Unhappy, not fun, not enjoyable. Right. And I love that that definition and the way that you've described it it also relates to relationship work. When you're working with teens or young adults that are dealing with a breakup, a relationship breakup, or a friendship breakup, Mm -hmm. talking with them around what love feels like and that expansion, it all really really ties in. Yes. Yeah. And I've just done a few solo episodes on healthy relationships. And my, my sort of theme is when trauma picks your partner, because that's what you look out for is when you feel what I describe is if you feel like you're constantly reaching or trying to chase after something like give, I need this from you. If you're needy from somebody, then you're not in that place. Cause the, the thing that also goes along with freedom is that it's, it's grounded, right? It's not trying to get anything from anyone else. It's its own source of its experience. Right. So when we're in a relationship where we, our partner or a relationship almost becomes like a fix, um, which goes even deeper into a big theme of my work is that, you know, love addiction, sex addiction, relationship, you can be, you're getting codependency. It comes down to right. So that's a good indication where ideally a relationship is when you are free and open and you're not chasing or going after anything. You're in a calm, peaceful state. And that person, you just are able to exchange love. 
and not have to feel like you have to contort or change yourself. That if you did anything that you would lose that love, anything like that becomes conditional and therefore is no longer love because love at its essence is unconditional. A true healthy love is unconditional. I've lived most of my life with partners where I'm like, oh my God, are they going to, are they going to call me? Are they going to, did I say something wrong? If you're in that state, you are likely not in a healthy relationship. It may just require some additional communication, right? That other person could be in a totally different reality than you. We tend to kind of make things up in our head, but especially when I think about teens and their first relationships, it can be very unhealthy because they're both just trying to learn who they are, what they're doing, and it can become very controlling or conditional. Often the teens I work with get into relationships where their partners are very critical of them or mean, that's not healthy. That's never going to be a help because you're not free, right? How can you be free if you, let's say you're being yourself and you dance, you know, and you do something silly and the person's like, what are you doing? That was so dumb. You're don't be so annoying. Don't be weird. And you get that first feeling of like, oh my God, do they not love me for that? Like, I, okay, I can't be like that because then they won't love me. And then there goes your freedom, right? You close your wings back down. You're no yes. longer. Wow. Yes. So true. It did. It's bringing up all of these ideas that our kids and our teens really need support around the relationship stuff, because oftentimes I, I think they tend to seek that out under the idea that it will fulfill something that maybe yeah. they're not getting, and then it, it leads down this, this slippery slope. Absolutely. Yeah. But what I find fascinating is anytime I'm working with a young person and helping them grow or explore or expand their mind and thoughts and tune into intuition, all of this stuff really applies to us as adults and our inner teen or inner youth, right? And I'm sure you've got wonderful things to share about that when it comes to tuning into our younger self and doing some healing on ourselves that way as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, that's inner child work, um, our inner adolescence, you know, we are still every version of our younger self that's still kind of in here, some more prominent than others, right? Like any time where we hit a really big life hurdle or a challenge or something that really made us question our worth, our value, or any time in our life where we, where we establish a core belief about ourselves that was not great, that, you know, that person's going to show up. My 15 year old self shows up all the time. And it's not because it was happy and, and free. It was because it felt like it needed to shut down and be locked off. So, yeah. And I, and so I'd love to hear from you, like working with, with kids, you say that the teenage years are almost like, uh, you know, a cocooning process, but that that's the same process that we experience when we hit points in our life where we need to do that inner child work and revisit our formative years, exploring like what needs to be addressed and released now, what do I need to let go of? that I've been kind of holding on to. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. There are so many little opportunities, I think, as adults, when we hit stuck points or we come to a wall or even a juncture in our life where we're contemplating, okay, what's next? What's going on? And I often forget, but tuning into my younger self and addressing her depending upon, you know, what age we're talking about. Maybe it was a time where I had struggled or felt awkward or unsure. Just tuning into her and simply sharing, 
look at the path that you have taken and look at the direction you have gone and look at the growth that you've experienced and you don't have to be afraid. I mean, this is just a simple little tool, tuning in and sharing your growth and your successes with your inner child can help get you over those hurdles that you're struggling with as an adult. Now, this is just, of course, more at a surface level. Um, oftentimes I'll do this with a young person who has dealt with bullying at a certain point. So they might not be very, very old yet. You know, they might be 13, 14, but they struggled with something when they were nine or when they were in a particular grade. And we will address that young version of themselves and almost, they will almost coach their young version to, this is what happened. And this is how I got through it, essentially extrapolating the internal tools that they were able to pull themselves and implement. That's where a lot of the power is, I think, because sometimes, you know, we can toggle as support people for our teens with telling them what to do, being the consultant, but asking them questions. And this is especially helpful for parents doing a little more digging and asking them questions. How do you feel? And how did you get yourself through that feeling today when you fell apart at school? And pointing out to them, you've got tools that you innately organically pull and use. That's your, your little unique medicine, your bomb for yourself and empowering them and building their confidence as other issues pop up they know they've got things that they can pull from. And then, of course, we can toss in, you know, additional tools and ways of support um, that they can use from us as well. But you're tuning into their history, to their inner child, um, and helping them go back and revisit. Because sometimes those are the stuck points from, you know, for example, age 12 that had me stuck as I was building my practice. And I looked back and I went, ooh, she's in the way, or she's throwing a tantrum and deciding to stop this process. And so I need to go in and address her. And that could be as simple as just sitting quietly. You don't have to have a meditation practice. You can just sit quietly and remember who he or she was at this young age and address them and comfort them. And I think that's just one of the many ways that we can love ourselves. Yes, absolutely. And that's such a beautiful piece of the inner child work is just as you said, it's like they're stuck there. And so you need to talk with them. You need to visit with them because all that a stuck inner child is, is someone who doesn't see the truth of a situation. That's yeah. something I really came to recognize is I was working with somebody on their healing trauma and they were they were having this experience where these memories were flooding them. And this is a common occurrence when people are ready to heal, their subconscious will start kind of tossing them, you know, sending memories their way that they, that they're ready to see. And that's really what it is, is you need to see the memory. And just as you were just describing those kids, it, you can, you have to reframe it. You have to rewrite it and say, no, it wasn't that I was bad or anything. I did anything wrong. It was that this situation was, you know, a misunderstanding or it was that person was being unfair to me or they weren't hearing me. And that's seeing the truth. It's like, wait a minute, what I thought it was, was it what it really was? And that's why it comes back to us. That's why it's blocking us. Cause it's, it's has this um, wall up about it. It says, well, this happened. And it means this, it means that you are unlovable. You are unworthy. Nobody loves you. Da, 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 da. And we have to revisit it and say, none of that is true. 
So let's look at it accurately. Let's see the truth of the situation so we can set it free. That beautiful yes. word again, freedom. Because we we're only shackled by the because when we make a judgment that something happened what, that it was bad and that because of it we are bad, we're in these shackles of I can never be this or that or the other thing. I can't be loved. I can't be successful because of these blocks. Our twelve year old block, our ten year old block. But we have to see them as not like because sometimes we get impatient. We're like, can you just get out of here? But when we do that, they're just going to come right back later. You know, if we try to be like, oh, I'm feeling insecure about this or I'm feeling, but I'm just going to try and, you know, not address it. Then it just keeps growing. Yes. And we want to process it and set it free. Yeah. That's the, that's the name of the game. Process it, set it free. And then on that note, something you can do to cultivate a practice that will keep you from building, creating more held you know, pain held traumas is adapting a loving kindness practice, which is something you speak to. So could you tell us about that as we kind of wrap up, Holly, I know you work with teens on that, but what are some advice that you give to teens that anyone could use, right? Because the loving kindness practice is something the whole world needs right now. Yes. And I think what's most important about developing a loving kindness practice is that there isn't a particular way to lay it out or a particular activity that you need to do or you need to meditate every morning or you need to have this particular routine. I think it's important to have a little practice because you know we don't want to add something wild and crazy to the to-do list, but a moment where you are able to spend a little bit of time with yourself. And for some people that might be 30 minutes, for others that might be five minutes. And you actually incorporate loving, gentle things for yourself. So for example, when I close out sessions with my teens, oftentimes I will ask them, what is your wish for yourself for this week until we until we come again together next time? And that just gives them an opportunity to develop this special wish for themselves. It's not what's your to-do list, what's on the agenda, but it's more of a gentle way of supporting yourself. And I, how often do we actually put a wish out into the world for ourselves? Not very often. A loving kindness practice can look like a winding down in the evening what settles you? What grounds you? That could be, you know, reading a page or two from a poetry book. It could be having a cup of warm tea, anything that gets you tuned back into your body and grounded. So all those little things can be loving kindness practices. So you can develop one for yourself. If you have a space where you actually like to meditate or sit, you can create an altar for yourself or a space that has things or items that remind you of something that touches your heart, brings you happiness, brings you peace, a picture of a loved one, etc. So it's nice to be able to craft those for yourself or with your coach or your therapist and collaborate together and come up with ideas or with a friend to put something together that nurtures you in this loud, noisy world that we live in. We get so much noise and information and pushes and nudges in this direction and that direction that it's really important that we have the opportunity to come home to ourselves and really tune in. And for some people that might be listening to soft music, that might be loving for them. Or like I said, having a little meditation where they're able to connect. 
Yes. Those are all beautiful suggestions. Thank you so much, Holly. I know something that I've started doing recently and I know not everyone can do this, especially as they get older. And if they're married, partnered, have kids, it's harder. I'm, I'm single. So it makes it easier. However, just because you're single doesn't mean people will do this. I never did until recently, but for my loving kindness practice, I create, I created time at night in the morning. That is just for me. And that I've started turning off my phone, which I never used to do. I'd end up like in bed and scrolling and, you know, until I, but it's, I set the stage for like sort of opening my sacred space. That's also just something, whatever that means to you, we are all sacred beings and holding a sacred space for ourselves is so important to give ourselves that loving kindness of no matter what happened today, no matter what I may have done or said that I might deem good or bad, I'm still a whole complete lacking nothing being that is loved by the universe. And so for me, when I turn off my phone, it feels like I'm honoring myself being like, okay, now it's your time, like not distracting yourself, not thinking about who's reaching out. This is my time. I have an altar. So I, you know, I light sage, I light a candle. I do a lot of tapping, um, sh just shaking. Cause you can shake off your day shaking. Any type of movement is a great way to shake off energy and it's honoring yourself, right? It's that loving, like, okay, you had a long day. Let's check in with my body. Let's check in with my mind and my spirit. And, or whatever calls to you, right? Maybe it's just sitting in, in quiet for a moment. Maybe it's like playing with some crystals or like a, a sand, um, one of those like sand boxes, whatever feels moved towards you. It's time for you. And it's, and eventually it kind of becomes your time of communing, whether it's with your higher self, with the universe, with your the spirits around you, or just love, just communing with love, communing with yourself. You know, that it takes disconnecting a little bit. Cause with our world nowadays, you could spend 24 seven completely disconnected from yourself. So I think that those practices are so valuable and important. And I'm so grateful that there are people like you in the word world, Holly, who are out there working with our youth, inspiring these ideas, offering these ideas and taking note and seeing them because that's the other thing we were just talking about that children need to be seen and heard. If they're trying to do these things and teachers are telling them, what are you doing? Don't like, and not supporting it and not appreciating it. I was just speaking to that, to a client that when we are wishing to have more in our life, we need to appreciate what we already have because literally the word appreciation means to grow, right? So if you want to see more teens embracing their feelings, embracing their gifts, excitement for life, appreciate when they do it, point it out, say, that's great. That's so awesome that you're honoring what you love or that you're expressing yourself freely or that you want to talk about your feelings. That's going to help change as well. Yes. I love that. Well, Holly, thank you so much for being on the show. This was really fun. I'm so glad we got connected. I look forward to working with you more in the future. If people would like to work with you or learn more about you, how can they find you? Reaching out to my website, Holly McLean coaching. And they are welcome to send me an email or put in an inquiry and then we can get connected. I have a 45 minute consultation. Oftentimes there's a lot of story behind what might be going on with your teen or young adult. So I like to take the time for you to be able to share and every situation is unique. So I invite you to connect with me if you have any questions or would like to share. Beautiful. All right, Holly, thank you so much. Thank you Take for care. having me. That wraps up our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening to Women Waken. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others and come back for more. If you'd like to connect with the Women Waken community, you can find us on Instagram at Women Waken. And if you follow Women Waken, you can get a free tarot card reading if you just send a DM. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your unique light shine into this world. Thank you.